Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right. Welcome back to part two of the Believe in Hubbard Champions podcast, the return of your Shui Shuki rights here alongside two guests today, two notable names in, in hockey media, um, Julian McKenzie of The Athletic, and the other one being the lovely Erica Ayala. Now that I know that she's also from New York, <laughs> the New York, like, I mean, hey, like, hey, so, let's go. <laughs> Excited to have you both on. It's been a phenomenal podcast so far. Now, part two, I want to, I want to, you know, I'm going to have a little fun with this because we have a Canadian here in Julian (laughs) and you're from Toronto originally, right? Montreal. Montreal. You're a Habs fan, I'm guessing, right? I used to be. Used to be. Uh, Yeah. When I started like writing about hockey and stuff maybe what like five six years ago that's what i realized okay I, well actually it's not even when i started writing about hockey um i stopped being a Habs fan uh the day pk suban got traded to nashville oh! and the very next day i moved from montreal to uh, syracuse because i was doing a, a year of grad school at syracuse university and i thought okay well i'm gonna be in the states for a year I'm going to not really care about hockey that much. So this is a good way to kind of start to distance myself from the fandom. And then I interned for an AHL team while I was there. So that just what, even what I tried to get away from hockey, I just couldn't. And then when I moved back to Montreal, I actually ended up writing for uh, uh Habs eyes on the prize, which is an SB nation site. But at that same time, I was like, you know what, if I want to get into hockey journalism and sports media as a, as a whole, this was a good way for me to start, but I really didn't want my, fandom or any fandom to get in the way of that sort of stuff so there was a time yeah i was a i was a montreal canadians fan but that hasn't been the case for at least like six years oh that that's that's impressive i mean to be able to separate um from your fanhood to your professionalism like and and i get questions like that all the time um more on that in a little bit because i actually want to um, like to turn the table over to don't get me wrong, I'm not above Boston slander in any sense of the <laughs> word. It's just like my fandom has to be distanced. <sighs> See, wow, I wasn't trying to stir up to stir up smoke, but if you're willing to, to stir up smoke, I have what no smoke problem. Do you I have mean, to stir you, up? You, you can perpetually Ooh. enjoy picking top five every year for the next five years. While the Bruins can perpetually continue to kick Look, your back. You have not, you're not oh, going to hurt me by, by mentioning how the Canadians are going to have to pick top five. There's there's nothing you could do with that. It's you who puts all the emotion and 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 all that into your teams. So to speak. <laughs> you have to you have to live with the fact that Boston has an NHL team that supposedly had the greatest regular season of all time, only to wow. lose in the first round. You have to live with the fact that you don't know if you're going to have your number one center coming back. And you have to figure out what you're going to do with all these, wow. these guys leaving your team you're gonna have to live with the fact that the Boston Bruins the only thing that stopped them last season was due diligence with the whole Mitchell Miller thing that's on you as far as I'm concerned those things don't hurt you but fandom to the side fandom to the side but hateration and holleration will sometimes win the game But you know what? You're not, you're not wrong on the Mitchell Miller thing, which no, which no, no. Like I really do believe that it, it got the attention of the NHL because some people reached some some people from the NHL side of things reached out to me um like late last last year like during the season and were like, hey, we're interested in talking to you. And I was like, 
Pardon? And it was like, why me? And what's the reason? Well, your content on Mitchell Miller went super viral and it caught our attention. I'm like, oh, I would hope it, it would because I didn't, I didn't hold back. So for those that are wondering what I'm talking about, just go on my Twitter, type in Mitchell Miller. I did a lot of thing, a, a lot of content on that back then. And I still stand by every single word that I said back, back then. But good job on the flaming um um, Julian, I I, I, pre I appreciate the great banter. I'm gonna have to live with that scar for the rest of my life, and and I'm sure millions of Bruin fans, even in Canada, are gonna have to be perpetually reminded about the Canadian teams in, in every Canadian market. Oh, by the way, congrats on a great regular season, and, and congrats on being a great choke job audience as well. I mean, we thought the Leafs were bad enough. I mean, but no, I mean the Bruins had had a whole other ingredient called chokerade. You know, just go a three-one, and you know everything will go go well. Um, Erica, I'm, Erica, you I'm see the ledge just a little bit. This man's going through. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's a lot. I mean, lot I, I'm just trying to understand how y'all didn't catch the drift when Seattle came through and gave you your <laughs> first regulation loss at TD Guard. I'm just, I mean, I'm just. Yeah, no, you're right. So <laughs> you could always move, Shukri. <laughs> I mean, no, don't don't tell me what a good time. Don't tell me because I've thought about it. I've actually have thought about it, but I'm like, I just got this gig with the hockey news. I'm not going to I'm not going to. Congratulations. Move. I mean, that's dope. Like, th thank you. I'm not going to this. This this could actually this is the big yes. window of opportunity, you know, like to like to make it in this industry. But with that being said, going back to Erica minus the shade from the shade room um, in Calgary. Um. <laughs> uh, can we, we can we touch on the Seattle Kraken for just a moment because well, what a it. what a second year that they had. I mean, I know I know a lot of people were thinking, well, what a Kraken going to have the the same success in year one that the Las Vegas Golden Knights? Oh, I'm sorry. Let me put some respect on their name. The Stanley Cup champion Las Vegas Golden Knights would have in year one, but they didn't. But in year two. They eliminated the defending Stanley champion Colorado Avalanche in round one. Like, did that? Talk, did. Yeah, they, they sure did. But tell us about like just how, how much this season has impacted hockey and like in the, in the Northwest, and even just just the overall perception of how the NHL is not only alive but it's thriving in the Pacific Northwest as well. Well, I think first of all, you got to remember that the city. Seattle has already had a Stanley Cup champion and mm -hmm. that's it the Seattle Metropolitans which I love as a New York Metropolitan fan now I get to cover you know <clears throat> that's, <throat> yes I, listen I've already heard it all you ain't gonna hurt me that's all right I live with it I wear it as a badge of honor thank you very much anyway back to hockey um <laughs> you know so so there's a history there's a long history of hockey at multiple levels, including women's hockey history in the Pacific Northwest and in Seattle in particular. It's it's really a hub for a lot of youth hockey that happens in the Pacific Northwest, including Alaska, of course. So there's that. But the Seattle Kraken and what really, because I was not covering men's hockey before I started um, as the first ever host of the Locked On Kraken podcast. And I actually got to do some writing for, at the time, uh, NHL Seattle. They didn't even have a name yet, but I did some mm -hmm. of the writing for their, their official brand name. And I think what I like is that there's been a lot of intentionality. So we talked a little bit about the hockey 
for everyone and women's hockey and some of the very blatant misses that the NHL in particular, and I would argue the larger hockey community has when it comes to really doing things that are incorporating and welcoming diverse pools. And I think the Seattle franchise really focused on that. They focused on the history. They focused on the hockey history in Seattle and have done an amazing job. I mean, Everett Fitzhugh is just one, you know, you've got JT Brown also. They they were able to draft their first ever black player um, in, in Zach Wisdom this, this uh, last draft class. So they're doing a lot of really great things. And I think also the broadcast team does a great job of leaning into people who are super devout hockey fans while also not alienating Seattle sports fans or Seattle and Pacific Northwest people who just want to have fun with the newest toy, right? And so I think that's been really great to watch as someone who knows hockey but is still learning the NHL culture of hockey, which are different things. Like I've watched a lot of international men's and women's hockey at the junior level, obviously the Olympic level. I was in Beijing covering the men's and women's tournaments, but to come into the NHL is different. It just is. Um, and so that's been enjoyable to watch. As far as the team, we are a blue collar team. Last season, I was saying we're like teenagers where you tell them something once, they're nodding, shaking their head, they're excited to do it, and then they go out and they don't. <laughs> and they just don't. You know, like, and I'm not even trying to shade them. I mean, that's just what it is. You're still learning, right? And we made some moves at the trade deadline this particular season, or, well, I guess both seasons, but um, trade deadline moves last year that led to free agent moves that we could make in uh, leading up to season two. And we had to do things that way. And, and, you know, we were talking a little off air, like that's what Seattle is still doing. I think it's still a little bit conservative. I think I would like to see them use, we have, we're good with cap space, but I think it's always that balance between how much money do we save for the future with Maddie Beneers, rookie of the year, Calder winner. How much money do we save for? We still, as of the time of this recording, we don't have a deal with Vince Dunn. And so, you know, he, we'll see if he'll go through the full arbitration process. So, you know, there's some things where I think Seattle is trying to hedge how much they want to have for the future for some of these players that have already proven that they can be their, their stars in, in wait, in waiting. And we want them to do that with Seattle versus finding someone who's really going to be a good name. I would would love to see us get a really strong defenseman. Um, and so it's been a little bit of a balancing act, but I would say they arrived earlier than I thought. I had them finishing maybe five if we really pushed for it in the Pacific Division. And then I think really the Pacific Division overall was a little bit of a surprise. I mean, Calgary, there's a lot going on there. We don't have to, you know, there's just a lot, there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. I think we can, we can say that. I think we started to see LA, um, I think there they made some pretty good strides. I think they're still going to want to work on their consistency. Um, Edmonton, I mean, is Edmonton. And, you know, they, they had a really strong surge to be in the top three in the in the division late. And, you know, then we started to see some of the things that they need to work on that we've kind of known probably that happened in the, in the postseason. So I think for Seattle, what's great for us is that it was probably not what anyone expected, certainly not what I expected after the first season. Now the 
question is how do we, if we arrived early, as I do believe we did, how do we now kind of capture that lightning in a bottle and make sure that we can, how much of that can we recreate so that we are considered a playoff team? And maybe we, we can be, you know, in that second, third round of the playoffs and work our way up to a Stanley cup final. I think those are the questions. I don't know that we have all the answers yet. I think it's been, um, it hasn't been completely like, sleepy, but it's been, again, a conservative free agency period for the Seattle Kraken, but there is still a lot of excitement. Um, I think that's going to carry over regardless of how the team starts, because we will host the Stanley Cup champions, the Vegas Golden Knights for the Winter Classic at T-Mobile Park, who is getting ready to host the MLB All-Star Game. They just had the first ever HBCU Swingman Classic. So there's just a lot of energy right now in Seattle. So the timing is perfect for the Seattle Kraken. The performance that we had in season two is great and is going to continue even on a more cosmetic, if you want to argue superficial level, we're still going to have some energy, but we're close to the time where we're really going to have to prove that we're a true contender. I've given us about three to five years from inaugural season to really show what kind of a team we're going to be. And so we're going into season three coming up. Julian, any thoughts? Yeah, I think the fact that the Kraken uh, had as good of a second season as they could have had, they've played a role in what I think could be true as of next year in that the Pacific Division might be the most exciting division of all the divisions in the NHL, considering that they have the reigning cup champion, the Golden Knights, the two two of the best players in the world in Edmonton, uh, a Los Angeles Kings team that could, on paper, could say they might have the best center depth in the league in Anze Kopitar, Philip Deneau, and Pierre-Luc Dubois now joining them. And the Flames, obviously, they're going to try to rebound after last year, but they have so many questions and you're trying to see what could happen with them. And then you have the Seattle Kraken who found a way to build a team that is balanced from the top down. Obviously, they still need more seasoning and they need more playoff experience. But one way they were able to get past a Colorado team that, yes, had all those injuries, but they were they found ways to get contributions up and down the lineup. And if they're able to continue that progress, then they're, then they're going to end up turning into that contending team. And we haven't even mentioned the fact that they have Shane Wright in, in the minor leagues right now, who is steps away from becoming a full-time NHLer. not to mention the Coachella, the Coachella Valley Firebirds, a successful season in the AHL, even if it did result in a loss in the HL in the college cup final, what an amazing run for those guys. I think if you're looking at the organization and you're looking at year two, you have to be so proud of yourselves and the fact that you're able to get a team that's already in the conversation of being a perennial playoff team and at the minor league level, you're seeing some success as well. And you're looking at some of your young players, notably uh, your 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 draft pick in, in Shane Wright, uh, just turning himself into a player who's very close to being a solid NHL player. I would like to see them just kind of continue along that path and not necessarily put themselves in a position where they're throwing out a lot of assets to get some big name players you kind of I, I respect the the patience i know some people have thrown out the kraken as a viable destination for eric carlson i don't know what a trade would look like if it got to that point but i, I could i could totally see the kraken just just waiting and holding back and just seeing if they could progress a little bit more but I think next season in the Pacific Division, we're in for a lot of intriguing storylines. Didn't even mention the Kraken and and some of the other California teams as well. But 
Sorry, not Kraken. I should have said the Canucks. I, I don't know why I confused the Kraken and Canucks. I just had a brain fart. It's Sunday. We are not the same. We are not, the, not same. the same. I have, Two a, different teams. I have a bone to pick with fart. them. I have a All bone good. to pick with them. All good. All that to say, <laughs> I think the Pacific Division is going to be really intriguing to follow. And the success of the Kraken plays a huge role in that. Uh, absolutely. I, I, you saw the season that they just had. I, I can't help but to think now, the eyeballs that are now going to be focused on the Kraken on a, from a national perspective in terms of what are they going to do in year three? And Erica, you, you touched on it um, poignantly. Like, what are they going to do in year three? Like, what are they going to do in terms of the Vince Dunn uh, situation? Are they going to be making any moves in free agency in terms of trades or any potential uh, uh, sign, signings and so forth? Um, anything that, um, that that David Hackstall may have um, in, in store for the upcoming season? I think those are... Those are just some of the like interesting questions that we won't really know or find out until training camp starts. September, hurry up and get here, please. Um, and like I, I'm there personally, I'm there because it's, it's going to be my first season covering the Bruins, like from from like just ever, like in terms of from from a writer's uh, from a media perspective. I've never this is this for me. This is a huge deal. So I'm I'm genuinely excited. Let's go. And, you should be excited. Like, Let's go. Like, actually, now that that's a perfect segue to the next topic. Actually, what I want to touch on is how did you first get your first big break in sports media? Doesn't matter who starts first. I'll let you guys delegate amongst yourselves. Tell me your Erica, story. You can start because, like, I want to. I want to hear your story. Wow. Okay. Well, I mean, I did not know we were going to talk so much about women's hockey, but I have to go back to women's hockey. I have to go back to women's hockey and very specifically to black women in hockey. So, um, was it a black girl foundation? The, there's Black Girl Hockey, hockey Club. Club. Yep, Black, Black Girl Hockey. Yeah. I will talk about them. I've also got my Women Pro Hockey Seattle earrings on that they gifted me last time I was in Seattle. But oh, nice. so the story, right? Um, so the story is that I, I'm one of three daughters. I have two sisters. They're twins. Um, and so my sister, Jessie, got really into hockey during the Sochi Olympics. She she like fell in love with Jonathan Quick on the men's side. And both the U.S. teams in 2014, for those maybe not familiar, had very dramatic and ultimately heartbreaking <laughs> tournaments. Um, but she was hooked. And this was, I talked about it when we talked about women's hockey, this was the 2014 Olympics. So the next season would have been uh, 2015. Um, and so, well, yeah, well, anyway. The, but the, so soon after that, she heard of the NWHL starting and they had a team in New York, uh, in Brooklyn. And so I'm the sports fan in the family, definitely among the three daughters. So I was like, I'm a, I'm a teacher how to be a sports fan. That's what we do. <laughs> like, we're going to get the stuff. We're going to, you know, we got to know this. Thing. We got to know everything. Yeah. So, um, went to a game and one of the first players that I recognized was cause I knew a little bit of a little something, something watched D2 a time or two. So I was like, okay, I know the hockey. Um, and I was like, yo, don't they have to like block shots in hockey? And I saw this player on the, on the opposing team. The Riveters were the New York team. They were playing the Boston pride. And I saw someone wind up. I was like, yo, the Riveters are supposed to block that shot. I was like, I don't think you could pay me enough to stand in front of that. And I was like, yo, who's number 10? Like who's number 10 on the Boston pride. And I was like, yo, wait a minute. Is she black? I was like, oh snap, she's black. Blake Bolden. Yep. That's who I, that's who caught my eye. The I was very first Blake Bolden. So flash forward, um, 
by the by the end of that first season, I had just been taking my sister to games um, as fans. But I'm a curious person. I wanted to know who was writing, who who you know who's the Julian and Green of the league. Like I wanted to know these people. There weren't a lot of them, um, but. So we got to communicating and there was the semifinals were in two separate locations, but on the same exact dates at the same exact time. So one outlet was like, um, it's actually um, Luis Sanchez or some some people call him Luis. I say Luis because I'm also I'm a Latina. So he's Luis. Uh, but anyway, uh, so he's a broadcaster for Boston College. And um, he was like, yo, Erica, like, I know you've been following the league. We can't go to both semifinals. Can you cover the one in Connecticut? I was like, bro. Like, I'll go. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how this works, but I'll go. He's like, no, nah, no, nah, it's cool. Just like you're a sports fan. Ask sports questions. I was like, bet. That's how I got my first credential. By the next year, I was on the broadcast. Uh, two years later, I got a chance to write for some blogs. Eventually, that led to just more opportunities. And, and now I'm going to be writing about hockey for CBS. So Black women, my sister, first and foremost, Blake Bolden with her nasty shot. And then, yes, through that, just the support and um, being seen by people like Black Girl Hockey Club has kept encouraging me. And so that's kind of my origin story. That's how I got started in journalism, period. So everything that has come after WNBA, um, you know, U.S. soccer, all of that stuff comes from that origin story. Okay. Um, growing up in Montreal, obviously, hockey is a religion. So when you're going to like elementary school and you're finding stuff to talk about with your friends, hockey is very much going to come up a lot. So it's just a sport that I've always enjoyed watching and, and talking about for a great deal of my life. And uh, when I was doing my undergrad and 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 in Quebec, we have this thing called CJP, which is kind of in between high school and and, and undergrad university. Uh, I was starting to do internships uh, on the radio, working with the local TSN radio station, uh, also working with uh, the local sports department for the one of the local TV stations in my hometown. And just from there, I was just trying to build myself up just to put myself in a position where I could eventually try to start a career in journalism. And then I, I went away for a year doing grad school at Syracuse and I got my internship at the Syracuse Crunch. Uh, and they had a first round playoff series against the Montreal Canadiens affiliate, which was in uh, St. John's, Newfoundland at the time. And uh, Habs Eyes on the Prize uh, has a writer who's still there. His name is Scott Matla, who happens to live in upstate New York, uh, I think in Rochester. I think they've since moved to Buffalo, but I think around that time they were still somewhere in, up, in another part of upstate New York. And uh, I got to meet them for the first time uh, during that playoff series. And we just connected and vibed. It was pretty cool. And I remember after that playoff ended, or at least partway through, I had to, I left after graduation from Syracuse and had some family back home. And I was like, you know, I'll spend the summer with you guys. And as the new season was about to begin, I was trying to figure out what places I could freelance for. I was doing some research for the CBC uh, for their local Montreal affiliate um, I was just trying to find some other gigs as well. And uh, Scott reached out to me over Twitter DM and said, hey, do you want to write for Habs Eyes on the Prize? And this is a site I've been reading for for years. Guys like Andrew Berkshire, uh, Marc Dumont, uh, Laura Saba, uh, a lot of great people who have come up from that website and have turned themselves. I mean, they've, they've not just that they've started from that website, but a lot of them have found gigs in media. A lot of them have found opportunities on NHL teams. Eric Parnas. Uh, who would do some analytics stuff with with the website? He's 
since gone on to work for the Colorado Avalanche and, and, and has a Stanley Cup ring. Like that, that has, it's not, it's, it's one thing to just be just some humble blog, but a lot of these spots now, they've turned into breeding grounds for media and NHL teams to, to, to be a part of, to, to, to take from. And uh, I consider myself to be among the, the lucky alumni of uh, Habs Eyes on the Prize. And uh, it wouldn't have happened if I had my time uh, with um, the Syracuse Crunch. And at that time, while I was there, they were pushing to get credentials for HL games. So when the uh, the St. John's Ice Caps eventually moved to Laval, which is north of, of Montreal, uh, I got to cover games right uh on that and you know it's right there near the canadians so you're seeing uh some of those guys in the ahl eventually get called up and you're trying to build relationships and eventually after that some other freelance gigs starts pop start popping up as well the montreal gazette for one uh started writing for the canadian press newswire as well which allowed me to go to canadians games as well and cover other montreal sports and then uh just it's just kind of funny with the athletic i was uh just you know build i mean i, I mean it's really funny how that kind of materialized with the athletic. Cause like, I don't know. It's like Arpin Bass who covers the Canadians in Montreal. Uh, we, we definitely knew of each other for, for quite some time. I just never expected that they would take enough of an interest in my work that they would want me to get involved in the fold. And in January, 2021, they asked me to translate articles from, uh, from uh, French to English. And I did that for two months. And then one of their uh, high ranking editors reached out to me and they said, Hey, do you want to join as a, as an associate editor? And I got in that way and they realized I could write and they thought, okay, well, uh, we'll let him, we'll let Julian do some kind of column during the first round of the playoffs because the Canadians are going to get in and they're going to they're gonna lose to the Leafs in the first round. So it's not like they're going to let him write for long. <laughs> and then they went on a run. And then a lot of people, I think started taking notes of my work from then and uh, got a lot of opportunities that came from that summer. And I really think if that run doesn't happen, I, I don't think I get the opportunity to go to Calgary. And uh, yeah, it's it's been a long journey. There's so many other details uh, that I didn't even mention. And if I start doing that, that's a whole two-hour <laughs> mini movie. We could do um, like a two-hour podcast just on just this alone, but I understand. Yeah, for real. Yeah. There's, a, there's, a, there's a lot, and I'm not going to bore you with every single detail, but definitely – uh, I'm really happy with how far I look back at how far I've come from, and I'm I'm really happy and 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 proud of whatever what I've been able to do, and I'm hope I'm able to continue in that space, and you know not just write, you know just podcast and do on camera stuff, and just continue to thrive in the uh, digital media space when it comes to covering hockey. Like no, I'm pr- I'm proud of you, Julian and, and Erica. Like Thank I was you. like both, Thank I, you. both of your backgrounds couldn't be more um like different but similar at the same time. <laughs> And like I, I, I understand that completely. And what's interesting in my like in my case, what's your background? What's that? How'd you get? <laughs> <into it? laughs> yeah, how, right. How did I get to what? Yeah, you should tell your story. Like, how, you should, I don't know how often you've told your story on your podcast. I was just curious what yours was. No, 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 no. Like, thank well, thank you for asking and, and being curious. And so, what? Like, where do I begin? Like, I it's been it's been a, a very wild journey to, to in terms of just like getting the opportunity with the hockey news and, and when I when they first came to me I was truly shocked because any hockey fan knew the hockey news this was this has been around for for 75 plus years like this is something that I've had people literally come like tell me like yo shoot my grandfather used to get the hockey news like the print edition and, and like read it to me every Sunday or something like that and I'm just like, so like, I hope you understand like how big of a deal this is. I'm like, um, 
I don't think I really understand. And part of it was me being humble. Part of it was like, wow, okay. Um, but as far as I, I how did I get to this point, um, it's been a journey. It's been a journey and then some. So I started the wholesome own radio show like four years ago, July 6, 2019. I started hosting a Shuka Radio show on 91.5 WMFO in the, in the Boston uh, metro area. And through that, it, it led me um, down this path during the pandemic where I was just, I started doing like podcasts and stuff like that, you know, like interviewing most notable names in sports media and as well as uh, even hockey. I interviewed True Story. You can actually check it out if you're interested. My interview that I did in uh, the spring of 2020 with Hockey Hall of Famer Grant Fuhrer, which was one of the great girls of my lifetime. And I mean that sincerely. I mean, you're talking about one of the greatest goalies I ever lived. Like the first black hockey player that dug into the Hockey Hall of Fame. It was just, it was just unreal, like surreal in more ways than one. So from there, um, I I hadn't really been doing much writing. Um, I would say like in, in recent years, but in the spring of 2021, I started doing like video on the Bruins and stuff like that. And it was just very innocent. I was just like, I'm going to the first game with full capacity since the COVID-19 machines were lifted in the city of Boston as well as Massachusetts. And I said, I'm just going to make a video, get pumped up. I was so excited and whatnot. That video went viral. And that, you know, gave me an idea. I said, you know what? Hmm. Maybe I should do, do this more often. So I started doing it more and more and more. What I also realized was that people were actually starting to pay attention like, who is this guy? And I later found out from <laughs> from um uh, from um, from from one of the program directors, actually the program director, uh, Rick Razik, ninety eight the sports up locally in Boston. He went up to um, some of the media um, personalities at that sports radio station. It was like, "Have you seen this guy?" And 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 some of them were like, "Yeah, like we've seen him on social media in terms of in terms of that." So. To fast forward, there's a lot more like details to it, and because time mm-hmm. doesn't permit me to do so, I won't be able to share it now. But I reached out to someone and I said, "Look, um, I'm not sure if anybody's covering the Bruins right now, but um, I, I I wouldn't mind like you know throwing my hat and see see what's what." There was no listing. There was no job listing. There was nothing like just what nothing whatsoever. So I got an email. Um, like this was like sometime in early May, I believe. I think it was early May. I got an email from the from the chief editor of the hockey news to say, "Hey, um, so I was given a recommendation from Ryan Kennedy, who's a, who's the associate or assistant uh, chief and editor, about you know covering the Bruins um, for for the hockey news." And I was like, "You got my ears, but." How did he recommend it? Oh no, we we noticed your content on the Bruins, and we think that you're just you're, you're just terrific at what you do, and we just wanted to see if you'd be interested in covering the team. Like, you know, and, and it's not just only like written, no, but as well as digital video. Like, your thing is video. People, for reasons that I personally can't explain, but reasons that I I can see, they pay attention to you when you create videos on Twitter on the Bruins. Mm-hmm. And that's how you've made your name. So we want to offer you an opportunity to to cover the team and, and be the site editor. And I was just like shocked. That's how I ended up getting that the opportunity with the hockey news. It was literally out of nowhere. There wasn't a job 
um, posting or anything like that. And I tell people this, if nothing else, if you are a person that likes creating content on social media, do it, do it, do it. You have a smartphone. You don't have to have an iPhone. If you have a smartphone in 2023, use it to your advantage. You don't know who's watching. You don't know how many people are watching. I can sit here and, and brag about, oh, like I have tens of thousands of views, but I don't care about that. What I actually care about is attracting the right eyes. And I'm sure both of you can attest to that. Attract the yeah. right eyes and opportunities will start to open up. So like that's like that's what I would tell people. That's yeah, dope. I, that's really dope. That's really cool. No, I didn't mean to cut you off, Erica. I thought you were going to add something else. Go for oh, it. No. No, nah, I was just going to say, uh, you, you have it right by saying uh, attracting the right eyeballs. Like I, one of the one of the podcasts I have is, is Zone Time with Yahoo Sports. And oh, yeah, drop it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know that show. For those who are not familiar with it, this is a, show, it's a weekly show that uh, I do with uh, some friends of mine on hockey Twitter, uh, like Samantha Chang from the broadcast or, or Omar from uh, normally puts up Leafs gifts. Uh, Avery Lewis McDougal, who also contributes to the uh, the hockey news out in Edmonton. Um, Arun Srinivasan, who also works with Yahoo Sports as well. And it's just this diverse show where you're getting all these perspectives uh, from persons of color, essentially, uh, where we just talk about hockey and, and talk shit about the culture and all that. And, you know, I know that show is not as popular as like the Chris Johnston show, which is another show I host, or the Athletic Hockey Show, which I do every Monday with Ian Mendez. But when you run into Greg Wyshynski at an NHL draft and he says, oh, I've, I've heard of Zone Time and he knows what that is. Like I could give a damn if like people are gonna say like oh the one watches zone time like the right people mm -hmm. are watching your content and are taking notice of what you're doing so I think you made a really good point bringing that up absolutely and um and Eric I want I want to give you an opportunity to, to speak before I before I move on no I think y'all both nailed it uh you know I again didn't really my aspiration was never to work for the NHL or uh, cover the NHL. But through my passion for hockey on the women's side, it's opened up avenues in hockey in general to the point where the New Jersey Devils tapped me, I don't know, a couple of years ago now uh, to to be the analyst voice for their International Women's Day game. It was actually the Devils playing the Colorado Avalanche the year that they ended up winning the Stanley Cup. Oh, and cool. I got to call an NHL game on the radio. You know, that's yeah. not something I can honestly say I ever grew up aspiring to do but my passion for people who look more like us um and for people who sometimes uh, like I, I would say uh like a highlight of my career as a broadcaster has been that I got to call in about four four or five days I called almost maybe more than 30 hockey games through the Amerigo Latam Cup that the Florida Panthers and the NHL NHLPA sponsor and that was so exciting and thrilling. And so, you know, people who also sound like me, I'm black, but I'm also Latina. And mm -hmm. so having people say my name the proper way or he hearing Celia Cruz at, uh, at a hockey rink, like those are the things that really ignite my passions. Um, I've learned to love hockey, but I have passions for all of these other things, including my culture. And I'm just so honored that I get to share some of that in the hockey space. And it, and it really is, it's, it's everything. Representation in, in the sport is absolutely, um, it's everything. And even as far as like sports media and it's concerned, I think, I think you're seeing that more and more where like you're seeing people from different ethnic backgrounds and people of color, most notably 
like finally get, get their opportunity to show to show what they can do and as well as like the talent that they possess as well. And I just want to wrap up the recording by saying thank you immensely um, to to you, Julian McKenzie of The Athletic, and as well as Erica uh, Ayala um, of of CBS Sports Now, who she, she just joined the network. Congratulations to her once again, and as well as um, um, the terrific broadcaster who's called games for um, PHF as well. And just a phenomenal conversation. So thank you guys for everything for um, for this episode. Thanks so much for having us. Thank Absolutely. you so much. My we pleasure. made it. We made it, fam. Yes. <laughs> This is really cool. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.